0: Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples that we have to learn from, for the encouragement, for the lessons. And God, as we uh, open it now and talk about our mission statement and where it comes from, God, I just pray that you would open our eyes and ears and our minds to hear what you have for us to be the people that you have called and created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So uh, last weekend, Dater and I got some much-needed time away with our kids and some time off, but there was somebody that stepped up and did something they've never, ever done before in one of the toughest places that I've ever had to speak, which is the platform outside to the parking lot full of people. And then he came in here and he did it again. And he did such an incredible job. Jason Shorn, where are you? J- Jason, he's going to hide now. Where is he? J- would you stand up, Jason, please? Please, Jason, come on. Yeah. It, I, you were amazing, man. Thank you. That was really, really, really well done. Thank you for saying yes. And I think they were pretty grateful you said yes too. I'll, we'll stop talking about you now. OK. Yes. Thank you. Seth. Good. I love fall kickoff. That's what today is. I love fall kickoff. I don't love it because of the football. I have to be honest. Played football in high school, but I don't love it because of the football. And the Vikings played five today, is that right? Uh, we had lots of time. Good. <laughs> Somebody's here for the first time going, I'm out. No, we're not going to go that long. I love fall kickoff because it's when all the craziness, all the vacations and all the summer jobs and all the things we try to pack into the little bit of summer we have around here, it's kind of the official end of that and it's the beginning of the school year. And and whether you like to think about it or not, no matter how old you are, our whole life, our world around here revolves around the school calendar, not just in the church, but it does in general. And fall kickoff is the time when we kick off all of our fall programming and ministries for kids all the stuff for adults there's just a different there's a different feel there's a different pace there's a different excitement and i've been in full-time ministry for a long time and i love i never get sick of fall kickoffs they're so much fun but today is a couple of other things in addition to that uh it is the 14th, the beginning of the 14th year that we are entering the school year as a kickoff as a church. Our 14th year of having ministry to kids and students and adults throughout the school year. That's a pretty exciting thing. That That's a notable anniversary. But then Cindy was talking to me and there's, there's even more than that. In 2016, on this date, in September 10th, was our first worship service right here in this space. It was the very first one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny because we had about 230 people at North 40 on the last Sunday and that we were there and then we came out here and we worked like crazy for seven days to get this place ready. And we had no idea. We didn't know if people were going to be able to find it. It turns out. There's a lot of people that got gotten married on the camp over the years. There's people who had gone to the camp when it was Decision Hills. Folks from all over the place came to celebrate. And this room had more than 500 people in it. And it was awesome. And it was the beginning of a whole new phase, a whole new chapter of ministry. And it's one that we're continuing on today. So if this is your home and you've been coming here for a long time and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, the end of summer. And so your life's getting back to normal. Welcome back. Because a lot of people have had to do a lot of different things. For some of you, it's, let's go, it's fall, let's get after it. For some people, it might be your first or second or third Sunday and you're trying to figure out, you know, are we going to fit in here? Is this place kind of who we are? and Does it fit our family? And if it is, I want to say welcome home. Because we want to be a place that your family can learn and can grow and where you can grow in your faith and find a way to serve Jesus. That's who we're about. That's what we're going to talk about our mission statement today. So we've got the anniversary of the uh, 14th year where we're doing ministry during the school year. We've got the, the anniversary where we're beginning our 8th year on this campus. But then there's something else. Today, some people are going to take a step at about 12, 15 that they might be a little bit nervous about. Some of them might be really excited about Some of you might be thinking about whether you should be doing this today. Some people are going to take the step and be baptized. They're going to take the step out into that lake And they're going to do what the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do, is believe and be baptized. Make a public proclamation, a public statement of what we believe, that we've put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus. And if that's you, congratulations. The reason we throw this big party in the afternoon is because there's a party in heaven. There ought to be a party here as well. And so if you've got nothing else going on, if you can clear your schedule, whatever it takes, stick around for a while. Baptisms are an awesome thing when you see people coming alive and taking that step in their faith. So why talk about our mission statement? Why is that even an important thing? Most of you probably don't even know what it is. You've heard it, but maybe you didn't know that it was our mission statement. Does it even matter? I mean, what, what, kind of, what kind of a big deal does a mission statement accomplish anyway? You know, if we've got the right one, and if it truly reflects who we are, It's something that can unite and encourage us together as a congregation, as a family of believers, into accomplishing what it is that God has called us to do. The right mission statement, when properly used and understood, can launch us into ministry where we're united behind a common cause. Twenty years ago when I was kind of growing up and I was young in ministry, mission statements and vision statements were a really big deal. Uh, Fortune 500 companies were doing them. Mom and pop businesses were doing them. Kind of everybody had their mission statement and their vision statement and they advertised them. And churches got on board. Churches spent hundreds. I, I was at a church that spent hundreds of human hours coming up with a vision and a mission statement. They made plaques. They sent it out by email. They made posters. And nobody did anything with them. So a mission statement is a great thing when it causes us to move to action But if it doesn't, then we never put into practice and there's really no point in doing it. It's just a bunch of wasted time. So many mission statements never have inspired or encouraged or motivated anyone to do anything. However, a mission statement is a fine thing only if it causes us to do something. You heard us talk a lot this summer about BAT. Bike against traffic. Asa our youngest daughter she's here with us again this morning her husband Jordan they were a part of our congregation Four other young people where they live in California and three other adults who were kind of support and did video for them Biked to the entire country from the West Coast to the East Coast raising funds and awareness in the fight against human traffic An awesome cause you as a congregation got behind it and we raised and were able to give a whole bunch of money and thank you because it's a cause that needs finances in order for us to com- come come to a place where we can get a grip and end it. But they've got a statement. I don't know if it was their mission statement, but right away when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's cute. It's kind of simple. I like it. It's good. And then they start doing all these videos on Instagram and they start promoting and they're, they're bringing us along on the trip. And at the end of every one of them, they use an example of life. No matter what it is that you do, do something that does something. That was their mission statement. I don't know if they thought of it that way. Austin, do you ever think of it as your mission statement? She knew I was going to call and I'll pay you a dollar. Don't worry, honey. Yes, they did. Do something that does something. If a mission statement doesn't move you to do something, what good is it? Whose mission is it? What does it accomplish? You know, the Bible actually has mission statements in it. We're going to look at them and we're going to look at them because they're the foundation of our mission statement. And so, I'm going to talk about our mission statement, not just because it's deeply rooted in Scripture, but because it gives us an opportunity and challenges us to a lifetime of opportunity as a disciple in Jesus. A mission statement should cause us to do something. 2,000 years ago, Jesus invited what became the very first disciples on this adventure. And basically, His invitation had no details whatsoever. For the most part, what Jesus did was this give up everything you have, walk away from everything that you've earned, leave your life and your business behind and follow me. And he invited them on an adventure that they could not have imagined. And it changed their lives forever because Jesus was deeply rooted in his mission. We as a congregation have a responsibility to make it clear what our mission is. And Jesus... Command and and our mission is all about making disciples, about growing people in faith in Jesus. So no matter what history you have with the church, maybe you have no history at all. What denomination you might come from, what struggles or addictions, sins or successes, it doesn't matter where you have come from in life. Our mission statement is something that we can all agree on for the good of the gospel and the good of the people around us that we're called to minister to. It's really a life statement. My challenge at the end is going to be, if you don't have a personal mission statement, and most of us don't, I would consider encouraging you to take on our mission statement as a congregation as your mission statement. So where does it all begin? It all begins with God's love for us. It all begins with the opportunity that we have to know salvation in the name of Jesus. And so really the thing that that stands underneath everything we do is that verse that many of you have already committed to memory. Some of you are in the process of it. Maybe today some more of you will try to pick it up. John 3.16. It tells us about the love that God has for us. Now, this isn't the kind of love that's emotional, that's really hot one moment and really cold the next. It's not the kind of love that, that is deeply passionate and then suddenly has hate. This is the kind of love that, that is rooted in somewhere so deep that the concern is not for what it means for the person. It's the concern of what it means for the person who is loved. The kind of love that God has for us, selfless love. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. God did before we did anything. God gave before we even knew to receive. God gave Jesus because He loved you while you were still a sinner. That's love. That's the kind of love that we have to understand because our mission statement has the word love in it. It isn't love that does for us. It isn't love that we do because we get something back where there's a reward or a thank you. It's the kind of love that we give to other people because we know that we were loved by God when we were at our most unlovable. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God still loves you because God created you. That isn't going to change. Your response to Him will decide what happens from that point. But God so loved the world. You and I are the world. We are the sinful world. He loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Somehow, a mission statement for a church that wants to be biblical and accomplish anything worthwhile in this world has to remember John 3.16. So what's our mission statement? Very simple. Love Jesus. Love people. Teach people to love Jesus. It fits into John 3.16. It's love. Love Jesus. Why? Because Jesus loved us first. It isn't because of what we get from Jesus. It's because Jesus loved us even when we were our most unlovable. Love Jesus. Love people. Even the people we don't like. You don't have to like everybody. But the Bible says we should love everyone. Love Jesus. Love people. And if we love Jesus and love people, it's natural then that we would want to teach people to love Jesus. That if you know that your salvation is secure and that you're going to heaven, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you, wouldn't you want other people to know that as well? Love Jesus, love people, teach people to love Jesus. This whole thing as a Christian begins with salvation in the name of Jesus and committing to being a disciple is about recognizing the truth of who Jesus is. Even the thief on the cross recognized the truth of who Jesus was of what He did for us and how much He loves us. And and our response, the only thing God is really looking back is, our response to this overwhelming love and sacrifice is to return a small portion of that love and our life back to Him. But we realize, once you you step your toes in that water of faith and a relationship with Jesus, you want to be all in. That's why baptism is completely underwater to a new life. Because as Christians, we want to be all in in our relationship with Jesus. So we're baptized as believers in God's love because his love was shown to us through Jesus. And Jesus is the one who told us to believe and be baptized. So this all gets confirmed in Luke 27. Jesus says, here's what we're supposed to do. They, they try to challenge him. One of the leaders and teachers in the law wanted to trip him up on Old Testament teaching. Because Jesus was kind of going off in this new direction that, that God loved people. And the, the Jewish folks and the leaders in the Jewish church thought he was getting a little bit crazy. So they wanted to trap him. Well, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Because if he said one is more than another, uh, then you know he would be kind of dismissing their whole tradition. If he made up a new one, well, then that'd be something else to contend with. So they wanted to trick him. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this: You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all uh, with all your heart and all your soul. Love Jesus, and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself, love others. Right there as we begin, Jesus starts telling us what he's really looking at for someone really looking for, someone who's a believer in him. It's called the greatest commandment. Why not, not one part, but there's actually two parts. But then you know what he does? He goes after that. And the very next thing he talks about is what we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Where all of these religious, all of these self-righteous, all of these holy and spiritual people pass by the guy who's been beaten up and left for dead by robbers. And it's the one guy, the Samaritan, that nobody would have thought would have cared a bit, stops and helps him. He pays for someone to help take care of him, and he's going to check back in on him later. And what Jesus does, is says, what love looks like is you love even people who are not like yourself. You love people who are completely different from you. You know what? You love people who don't even like you. When Jesus gives this command, he then follows and gives an example. That brings us to the second part then. We love Jesus. The second part of our mission statement is to love people. All the way back in Leviticus, this is where Jesus gets that statement. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. It's part of a Levitical tradition of hospitality and caring for people. Jesus understood how important that was. And so Leviticus 19, this is this Old Testament reference that Jesus is drawing on, starting in verse 16. Still words for us today. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You should not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You should not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Why do we love people? Because God loved us. We don't love people because we're good people. We don't love people because we got it figured out. We don't love people because we're better than the folks next to us. In fact, there's people who would never call themselves Christians in our world who are really good at treating other people kindly. People who are a part of other faith traditions, other spiritualities, things that we would say as a Christian, there's no way you can believe in Jesus and believe in that. doesn't mean they're not good people. But they love people for their own reasons. Jesus says we're supposed to love people because God loved us. Later on, Jesus quotes that when he says, "...you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind." And your neighbor as yourself. Our love for God is to be reflected in our love for others. Love Jesus. Love people. That's the first two parts. The Bible makes it clear when you add that Good Samaritan parable that Jesus connected in a way that isn't separable. Our loving him, loving God our Father, and loving other people as two parts of the same coin. And then he went on and he gave an example that they couldn't have imagined why they would have cared for this this person in the ditch. Why would this horrible Samaritan person do that? Because that's love. If those are the the two most important commands as a believer, who are we then as Christians 2,000 years later to think think that we can come up with a better mission statement or something more important to be about as a church than the things that Jesus told us to do? See, for 2,000 years, Christians haven't done a very good job of accomplishing either one of those two things. And I hear all kinds of well-intentioned mission statements that churches have that are running off in all kinds of different directions. But you know what? The moment you stray from the commands of Jesus and what He tells us to do, we're getting off into what we want, not what God wants from us. So the third part of our mission statement, Love Jesus, love people, teach people to love Jesus. There's this thing in the New Testament called the Great Commission. It happens at the end of Matthew. I'm going to read it in a moment. Jesus has his last words for his disciples. And it's the marching orders. It's, it's the, the thing that they're supposed to do when he leaves. It's his last command. We're supposed to finish what Jesus started. Matthew 28, verse 16. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Just like today, people who gather to worship Jesus doubt Him. You may be sitting there today going, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not sure what I believe. There seem to be a lot of Christians that don't do what they say they believe. They don't do what their Bible tells them to do. That's true. It's called sin. We're all guilty of it. The idea of doubting is not something you have to be afraid of. It's in the Bible for a reason. The disciples worshiped Jesus and they doubted. The one thing that we can know for certain is God's love for us. See, the thing is, they doubted because they had different priorities. They had different wants. They had different things with their life that they wanted to accomplish that were more important than following Jesus and being a disciple of His. The same is true for people today. I I want to accept Jesus' forgiveness. I want to know that I'm going to heaven, but I'm not ready to be an all-in disciple. There's some things that I still want for my life. That's the doubt. It's very common. If that's what you feel, it's not unusual. However, the true hallmark of a faithful, devoted follower of Jesus isn't just that they... The way they live as a disciple, it's the way that they lead others as a follower of Jesus. Teach others to love Jesus. A true disciple of Jesus always points to Him. Always gives glory to God. Next week we're going to talk about our three things. Every service here, every service for all of our years has begun with our three things. We've opened every single one that way. Why? Because we need to be grounded and rooted in our mission statement and in God's Word. To love Jesus, love people, and teach people to love Jesus means we need to know God's Word and it means we need to live it out in our lives. And those three things keep us focused and centered. So what about the mission statement? What does it do? It drives us. As a staff team, we talk an awful lot about on our team meetings about our mission statement. Everybody knows it. It's who we are. It's what we want to do. There's a million good things that churches can do. We want to love Jesus, love people, and teach people to love Jesus. Those are the three things that we focus all of our energies on. So you know what our mission statement is, right? That's what drives everything we do from our youngest kids to our student ministries to recovery church and life groups to the mission teams we send and the missionaries we support and the reason that we have a prayer ministry and a care ministry. It's the reason that we take care of this beautiful campus the way that we do because it's a reflection of our appreciation for what God has given us. Everything we do comes under this umbrella of our mission statement including Sunday morning worship and hopefully your life. As someone who calls the open door your home. Hopefully our mission statement is true of you as you become more deeply involved in our church and as you grow in our in your faith. So now you know the mission statement. Everybody does. I won't have you repeat it after me, but you could. Love Jesus. Love people. Teach people to love Jesus. Couldn't be much more simple. Nine words. A lifetime to live it out. A lifetime of challenge and opportunity. A lifetime of opening conversations. A lifetime of loving people that you want to be mad at. A lifetime of loving people who have hurt you. And it's all grounded in God's Word. So then the next question, of course, becomes as we kick off this new school year will you join us? Will you become a part of the open door movement that puts to action the words of that mission statement? Because if our faith doesn't have action, then it, it is a dead thing. And that's not the point. In doing something, to steal a phrase from the bad team, in doing something that does something. And if you say, I don't think I'm ready to do that. And it sounds great, and yeah, that sounds like it's probably what I should I don't think I'm there. I want to tell you something. Every single one of us wakes up every morning and we do something. You might be sick and bad, but you do Something. As long as you're drawing breath, every morning that you wake up, you do something. And to live is to be active. To be a Christian that loves Jesus and loves people and teaches people to love Jesus has to be an active Christian. A church with that as their mission statement has to be an active church. Church. And the fact of the matter is, we're all going to follow something. We're going to follow somebody. We're going to go after somebody's example. We're going to put our faith and hope and our trust and our belief in someone that's going to take us somewhere. We spend our days pursuing something. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a hobby. So do you find yourself squandering your days? Or do you find yourself excited about investing your days in the things that matter? See, what it really boils down to is this. What is your mission in life? You know our mission as a church. What is your mission? What gets you up in the morning? What keeps you moving forward? How do you live that mission out? What does it say about who you are and what matters to you and what you believe in? What is your mission statement and the way that you live it out say to other people about who you are? See, at Open Door, we invest time every single day Working to love Jesus and love people and to teach people to love Jesus. Sometimes we don't get it right. But you know what? We keep trying because that's what God's called us to do. I would encourage you, if you don't have your own mission statement, I would encourage you to take ours and make it your own. Make it it viral by adopting it and talking about it and sharing it and tell people the way they did with do something that does something. It's just simple and catchy enough and it's got enough roots to it that it can actually start to get something done. I don't know about you, but I don't believe everything I hear in the news. I don't believe everything about COVID. I don't believe everything about politicians and politics and what they're saying is going on in the world. Not that I'm a conspiracy theorist. I just don't believe it. And I don't believe everything I hear about everybody. So I've lived long enough to know that more often than not, what we're getting isn't always the truth. But you know that our mission statement is a reflection of God's will for us as people. And I know that it's a reflection of God's will for us as a church. So maybe for you, your next step, your very next step, is to say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to live out that mission statement. I want to do that. I want to live a life that matters. And the next step for you is literally to step into the waters of George Lake with me in a little while. To be baptized in the water and declare yourself a follower of Jesus. Jesus, I love you and I want to live my life for you. I want to wash away the old and I want you to create something new in me. I want to grow in faith and I want to live for you. Maybe that's your next step. There's a song that I, I guess I memorized when I was a kid. And I didn't used to like it very much because I thought it was kind of old and slow and it wasn't very catchy. But you know, as I've gotten older and as I've gotten a lot older, that song doesn't go away and it ends up in my head a lot. And as I think about our mission statement, I think that's, that's really such a perfect song. A lot of you know it. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. People know who you are. They know what you believe in. They know what matters to you. They know what's important. Do they know that Jesus matters to you? Do they know you by your love or do they know you by something else? See, they'll know we are Christians by our love. That certainly was most uh, true of Jesus. He literally defines love. Selfless love. It is what Jesus is. It's how he lived his life and without us intentionally acting and giving in love to others in the name of Jesus, not for what we get back, but for what it is that we can do for them, what makes us different than the non-believing world? What makes us any different than an organization that wants better schools or wants safer places for the kids or wants whatever they want? What makes us different if it isn't that we're giving selflessly in the name of Jesus to benefit the people in the world around us? See, we're in the front line of faith. You've heard me say this. It is getting more and more serious. We're on the front lines of faith. Not just having it and living it out, but passing it along. Sharing it with our children. To love Jesus, to love people, and to teach people to love Jesus is why we pour so much effort and resource into Wednesday night because if those kids don't hear at home and they don't hear from us, who's going to tell them? Maybe your kids are blessed that they've got some faithful, believing teachers that surround them in school, and that is an awesome thing. But if we don't pour our energy and our resources into it, and if we don't accept the role on the front line, who will? We are the defenders of the truth of God's Word. We are the ones who will fund the mission into the years ahead. We are the ones that God has put in this place at this time to carry that baton forward and root the seeds of faith in our young people. We are the ones that the world around you is looking to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Love Jesus. Love people. Teach people to love Jesus. What are you going to do? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that we've got a mission statement that uh, really does reflect the Great Commission. It reflects the greatest commandments. God, it reflects what Jesus did here on earth. (coughs) And God, I truly believe it reflects what it is that your will for us is as people and as a congregation. God, you would call us to love Jesus. You would call us to love people, our neighbors. And you would call us to teach people to love Jesus. That's discipleship. God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would be heavy in this place, would be heavy on our hearts. That we wouldn't just keep going through life maybe the way that we've been going through life. That we would do a stop and a self-check and say, God, You gave me so much, I want to give You more. You've done so much for me, I want to do more for You. You have given me so much, God, I want to give You more. And it all begins in loving Jesus for who He is and what He's done for us. and loving other people, our neighbors, the folks we work with and go to school with, even the ones that aren't nice and that we don't like. And God, looking for every opportunity to teach people to love Jesus. God, I hope that that would... I pray that that would just uh, not be our mission statement, but that would actually be the truth of who we are in the days and the months ahead as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to have you stand again in a minute, but everybody, if you would please sit down for a moment. All right, now, thank you. If you are a volunteer on Wednesday nights, in any way, shape, or form... From our littlest of kids all the way through the students at North 40. Would you please stand up? All of the adult volunteers, please stand up. Uh Uh-huh. Keep standing up. I know you're shy. There's more. Okay, so you introduced earlier to our staff team. This is just a small number of all of the people that are living out the mission statement to love Jesus, love people, and teach people to love Jesus. If you are looking for a way to plug in to make a difference, they always need more help. And there is a way that Jesus will use that to change your life in ways you will think that you're volunteering and doing something for them. And they're going to give so much more back to you. But for now, all of you who have said yes and are willing to help and are taken off on this amazing fall kickoff, thank you from our congregation to all of you. Thank you. Now the rest of you can stand and join them. Uh, Let's see here. Share starts September 12th, North 40, 6 p.m., Ellie is starting a class at Hillside up on the hill 6 p.m. tomorrow on the basics of discipleship. If you're looking for a way to understand more how you can start living out our mission statement in your life, 6 p.m. tomorrow night, you want to be there. Uh, Financial Peace University, Hillside, Wednesday night. Uh, call the office with either one of those for more information if you want to get started. And then Saturday morning, right here from 9 to 12, we're doing another health fair. Uh, Jeannie's been working. She's a nurse, our nurse, our RNN staff, and she's helped with our care ministry. She's been working for months. She's in back waving. But she's not very tall, so you really can't. You can't she's there. She'll answer any questions you've got. Uh, we, last year was the first one, and it was awesome, wonderfully successful. She's got a whole bunch of speakers and people who are here to share what it is that they do to help keep us healthy. Saturday from 9 to 12, please come out and be a part of that. Now, as we leave here, as quickly as we can transition down to the beach, so certainly before noon, there's a food truck out there waiting for you to help feed you. Uh, there's a bounce house up here. There is human foosball in a big blow-up thing that looks just crazy to me that I've never done that's waiting. Uh, Jeff James is set up and he's going to have live music for us. And really the centerpiece of the whole afternoon of fun is going to be the people who step forward to be baptized. I'm going to invite you, encourage you, ask you please stay around to celebrate, encourage them as they step forward in faith and make a public statement of their love for Jesus. What am I going to leave you with? You guessed it. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Love people. Teach people to love Jesus. Let's do it one more time. Love Jesus. Love Love people. Teach people to love Jesus. If you don't have an individual mission statement, take that one. You can steal ours. Put it to work in your life. Realize that's who we are. That's what we're about. That's what God called us to do and who God called us to be. One more song before we go. Hope to see you down by the water a little bit. Thank you all for coming.